This is your host, Mary Swafield, and welcome to the Wedpreneur Podcast. Join me and my guests each week as I take a deep dive into wedding business best practices, examine challenges facing our industry, and interview wedding industry experts and thought leaders who will share their strategies for taking your wedding business to the next level. Whether you're new in the industry or a seasoned pro, each episode is filled with valuable information aimed to help you build and grow the wedding business that you are dreaming about. I'm ready if you are, so let's get started. Hey, Wedpreneurs, welcome to episode 42 of the Wedpreneur podcast. I'm your host, Mary Swafield, and today we're talking about styled shoots. My guest today is Margot Frazee, and she is the queen of styled shoots. You'll hear during the interview today how she has a very specific process for styled shoots, and she is sharing the goods here. And I'm going to spill the beans a little bit here, but Margot has a fantastic course on styled shoots as well. And I'm going to link to that in the show notes so you can check it out. Full disclosure, I am an affiliate partner for this course, but I can assure you that it is fantastic. I would never recommend anything that didn't meet my own really high expectations and standards for online courses and programs. Again, I will link to the course in the show notes at thewedpreneur.com slash 42 so you can check it out. I am so excited to get started today, so without further ado, let me introduce you to Margot. Owner and creative director of award-winning boutique wedding planning firm Harmony Creative Studio, Margot Frazee is a recovering fashion addict and lover of minimal style with a twist. She began her professional life as a retail consultant working with brands like Nike, Lucky Brand Jeans, Ben Sherman, Cotton On, and Yahoo. Seeking a career change, Margot explored the world of events and discovered her perfect match. Since 2011, her goal has been to design weddings with intention, infusing celebrations with her signature style, yet still tailored to every couple. As a result, her work has been featured in numerous publications and blogs, including Style Me Pretty, Brides, Ruffled, and Green Wedding Shoes, among others. More recently, Margot is dedicating time to the industry she loves so much, serving as a wedding business educator, frequent podcast guest, and motivational speaker. Her signature talk explores safeguarding your event business from the unexpected, drawing experiences from her own battle and triumph with stage four cancer. She also speaks frequently to medical conferences, offering a much needed patient insight to doctors and oncology professionals. Her meticulous planning, design, and execution procedures have also caught the attention of her peers, and she shares her insight regularly on efficient systems for creatives. In addition, Margot just launched her educational brand, including courses on the business side of inspirational shoots and effective onboarding for wedding professionals available to wedding professionals worldwide. She has been happily married to her husband, Chad, since 2012, and together they live in Los Angeles with their adorable terrier mix, Clarence, who basically runs their lives. My friends, this is an interview you do not want to miss, so let's do this thing. Hi, Margot. Welcome to the Smart Business for Wedding Pros podcast. Thanks, Mary. I'm so happy to be here. Style shoots are my jam. Let's talk. Well, I'm so excited to talk about that today because it is something that I haven't chatted about on the podcast yet. You are the first to address it, so I'm really excited for that. Before we get started, can you share a little bit about yourself and your role in the wedding industry? Absolutely. Uh, As Mary said, my name is Margot Frazee, and I'm a wedding planner. I own Harmony Creative Studio, which is a boutique wedding planning firm based in Los Angeles, California. When I say boutique, I mean like it's me. I'm a solopreneur. I have an assistant or two and day of help, but mostly it's just me. And I take on between 20 and 25 weddings a year. Uh, Before I was a wedding planner, I did retail consulting. So I had this whole other career before I jumped into the wedding business. And what I did was I worked for a uh, consulting firm out of New York. And I was here in Los Angeles working on accounts like Nike, Lucky Brand Jeans. And one of the last accounts that I worked for them was with Yahoo. Everyone remember Yahoo? I know (laughs) they they kind of went away. But uh, back in 2006, uh, I started working for Yahoo and developing products and working as kind of a go-between between them and the company that I worked for. And what eventually ended up happening was 
I started working with their marketing and events department because they always wanted swag. They wanted products mm. that we were designing for, for Yahoo to give away at their events. So it's a not so secret secret now, 15 years later, 14 years <laughs> later, that I started working more with the events department and not my actual job because it was a lot more fun. So I did several events with them and, and started learning the ropes behind the scenes with them. And then at the same time, several of my friends were getting married and they were like, you could come and do our wedding, right? You just did that big holiday party. That's totally the same, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so I did a couple weddings for them. I decided I really liked it. I uh, then searched for a wedding planning planner here in Los Angeles that I could uh, work for as an intern and mentor. Uh, she could mentor me. I didn't mentor her, of course, <laughs> there in the beginning. And then I got married in 2012. And in the lead up to that, I started going part time with the firm that I've been working for and started my business. And uh, right after our wedding in 2012 is when I was full time with Harmony Creative Studio. So that's kind of my wedding industry planner journey. I like it. You know, I, I'm always so interested to hear about how people got into the industry because we all have such different journeys to get into it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that everyone brings something very different to the wedding planning process. Uh, one of my very good friends here in Los Angeles, shout out Renee Dello, Moxie Ride Events. She was uh, a theater person. She was a production manager and did theater shows. And so she brings a very different uh, you know, planning point of view than I do from a retail background learning, you know, when I think about events, I'll often think about how people move through spaces, how people interact with things, because that's my background. That's what I, you know, researched and lived with for almost a decade. So I like that people bring different, you know, points of view to the wedding planning process. I think it's partially why we're such an amazing creative industry. We just have such a wide variety of backgrounds. Yeah. Awesome. Now, I understand um, that you went through some pretty major challenges uh, a few years ago. So before we get to today's topic, I wanted to touch on this because I think it's a really inspiring and important story. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. So in 2014, my business was chugging uphill. I was just doing my thing. I was finally, you know, three, three and a half years in in that mode where I was getting the kind of clients that I really liked and everything was going really great. And then in June of 2014, I was diagnosed with stage four inflammatory breast cancer. Dun, dun, dun. Mm -hmm. uh, it was legit. Get your affairs in order. You know, we probably don't expect you to live the year, which is rough to hear as a person, mm -hmm. but as a, business owner, as a wife, as, you know, a woman who was, I was 33 at the time. Wow. It, you know, I wasn't my mom's age, you know, which is whenever I went to the doctor with the rest of the breast cancer patients, they were, they were all in their fifties and sixties. So it was a real shock at that point. Absolutely. And <laughs> I went through all the things, chemo, radiation. I lost all my hair. I had a bunch of surgeries it was it was really a point where I had to kind of find myself again, mm -hmm. but also find my business again. And now I love to go out and speak to wedding industry professionals about how to prepare their business for that, because there were definitely things that I did really great to prepare my business as a solopreneur. If I wasn't working, there wasn't business happening, mm -hmm. but there were definitely some things that I could have done a lot better. And in hindsight, I can help other people understand, hey, you know, it may not be as crazy as what happened to me. But you know, everyone's going to have something they're, you know, going to have a divorce, or they're going to move to a new market, or they're going to have an unexpected loss in their family or a, a pregnancy, you know, mm -hmm. I don't have any children myself, but a lot of people I know do, obviously, and they you know, that takes a toll on their business. And if they were a solopreneur, there are things that you can do to put, you know, put in place that you can help yourself. So I love talking about that. 
Well, I think um, what I love the most, I mean, obviously that's so heart-wrenching and terrifying at such a young age. Mm -hmm. Um, But I love that you've taken that experience and turned it into like a positive change for the industry. I think that's really admirable. Oh, thanks. I, I got to be honest with you. It was one of the things that helped me get back into the business was trying to think about how I could use that experience in a positive way, because I always thought of myself as a very positive person. And I was like, how can I be positive about this? In all honesty, very crappy thing that happened mm. to me yeah. and, and turn it into a way to be excited about my business and the wedding business in general. Again, so as someone who's gone through uh, you know, a pretty major tragedy in my life, my longtime listeners probably know a little bit about it, but I can definitely say it throws you off your game and it and it throws you for a loop that you can't you can't anticipate in so many ways. But I definitely remember afterwards thinking, you know, I could have prepared a little better for this. I could have had some systems in place perhaps, um, and and sort of a backup plan for if you know, something unexpected like that happens. So I love that you speak about that. I think it's a really important topic. Great. Yeah. Everyone needs to have a backup plan. And I I love that you talk about systems so much. I have a system for everything, literally, (laughs) including styled shoots. You can have a system for everything. So Uh, honey, you are speaking my language now. (laughs) And speaking of spot styled shoots, um, Let's talk about them because that is our topic of the day for today. Um, now, it's something that we discuss a lot in the web printer community, and it's one of the it's one mm-hmm. of the topics that we get the most questions about. I think um, so. I'm we're going to start with some general questions, and then you're going to share your strategies uh, for having a really good styled shoot. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay, so. First, I know there are some mixed feelings in the industry when it comes to styled shoots. So some pros feel that they set, you know, unrealistic expectations for couples or that they're mostly self-serving. What are your thoughts on the, the, the value of styled shoots in the industry? Yeah, I, I want to let people know out there, I hear you. I hear you saying it's not realistic. I hear it. But what I want to say to everyone who's saying that is that it's not supposed to be. Styled shoots are by nature aspirational, like every HGTV episode you've ever watched. No one's home actually looks like that every day. That's an aspirational version of your home. And a styled shoot is an aspirational version of a wedding, a place to find inspiration. It's aspirational and inspirational. And it's not really supposed to be super realistic, because I know that what I'm outfitting on the table for a styled shoot is eight of something. It's not 200 of something. I get that. So I'm, I'm hearing you. However, how are we going to show our clients what's possible without showing them right. what's possible? I mean, when you walk into a rental showroom, there's a bunch of setups of eight of their best stuff all piled on top of each other mm-hmm. and clients pick and choose just like they would from a styled shoot. Right. I also find, you know, for, for me personally, I find it's a great way to stretch my creative muscles, right? Which I don't always get the opportunity to do with every client. So, and that maybe is a little self-serving, but I also think that it's, it's practicing a skill that my clients really expect me to keep in good shape, right? Absolutely. I, I love getting able to be creative and thinking about ideas. A little bit later, we're going to talk about how I don't think people should be kind of beholden to an idea necessarily. But I think that it's really important to be creative in our industry and push our industry forward. And let's be honest, a lot of the clients that you work with, you have a lot of constraints. You have budget constraints. You have their likes. That's a constraint. They're not going to like everything that you like. Uh, you just, you're working within a lot of constraints and in a styled shoot, you have an opportunity to break yourself of those constraints and do whatever it is that you would like to do to show your skills, your creativity, your products, your whatever in the best light without those constraints of a real event. 
Mm, I love that. I love what you said about it being aspirational and inspirational Mm -hmm. because it made me think of, for example, you know, runway fashion and fashion magazines and all of that. Those inspire us. We don't necessarily Mm -hmm. go buy, you know, especially the more avant-garde outfits or anything like that, but they Mm -hmm. inspire us with what we can achieve in our own lives, right? Yeah. Fashion is a really great example because you have avant-garde fashion, which influences runway fashion, which then in turn influences ready to wear fashion, which then influences fast fashion. So it's all kind of a trickle down. And you can apply that same logic to your uber luxury weddings, your Kim Kardashian, Kanye West weddings on down to, you know, your DIY weddings. It's that same concept. Everyone is getting uh, inspired and aspirational from the one, the level up if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, definitely. Okay. Awesome. So do you personally, um, I, I'm curious if you have a favorite styled shoot that you've done and what you loved the most about it. <laughs> That's like choosing a favorite kid. No, <laughs> uh, I don't have any kids. So I just have weddings and shoots and I only have one dog, so I don't have to pick between dogs. Well, maybe between dog and husband. I don't know. That's a toss up. I'm not going to make you answer that one. Just kidding. Uh, I do have two shoots that I can think of. One we did about four or five years ago. It was for a brand new venue. And it was an opportunity for me to be the first person into a venue, which I think is really important from a planner perspective. Mm -hmm. And I was able to show it exactly how I wanted without any preconceived notions or any, any past influence because there had literally never been an event there. So that was one that I really loved. It was a blank, you know, white brick industrial space here in downtown Los Angeles. We did a bunch of, you know, beautiful greenery and all that kind of stuff. So that wedding actually went pretty viral on Pinterest or that that shoot went pretty viral just because it was a concept that people hadn't really seen before. But now five years later, I I want to apologize for all of that. <laughs> Because I feel like I had a hand in starting it. And so we work at that venue very often. And and now people are trying to get me to recreate that same thing over and over again. So oh, it's no. a creative, it's a but I, I love it because it's a creative challenge to show that venue in that style, but yet match it with each particular client to show them as well. Because that's part of the challenge of planning and designing an event that is true to your couple. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I love that. So did that venue approach you or did you approach them? I approached them because uh, a, a a friend of mine that owned a bridal salon here in Los Angeles, she, she doesn't anymore. She sold her business. She was going to get married there and she introduced me to the owner. And I was like, I love this space. Let's do something. And so it was mutually beneficial because he didn't know the first thing about weddings and events. It's a it's a space that they use a lot for pop-ups and art galleries. Mm. They have events like they had a big Black Panther event for the movie when it came out and and they do a lot of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But he didn't really know about weddings and events, so I was able to give something of mine, you know, information helping him kind of learn our business a little bit right. and then, you know, get in with the venue from the ground up. So it was mutually beneficial, which I think is really important, but I love that you sought out that opportunity. Like you saw the opportunity and you went for it. Yeah. I, I do think that it is really important to start with a venue first for styled shoots. I think a lot of people want to start with an idea Mm. and I, I would suggest doing it the other way around because you can have a general idea ranch, versus modern or so- right. something like that. Right. But I think that people sometimes make the mistake of fleshing out this total idea and then looking for a venue or a location that fits that. And I don't know if that's the right way to go about it. So I actually start with the venue. You know, we do now my company only does two styled shoots a year. We do one with a brand new venue so that I can get in with a venue, make a good relationship start a relationship and then one with a venue that we work at a lot to show it in a new light because that's where I want to stretch my creative muscles because if it's a venue we work at a lot 
we're doing the same thing a lot. Right. Definitely. Well, that's a really great strategy. And I have a feeling we're going to talk more about that in a few moments here. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious, <laughs> have you ever been part of a styled shoot that didn't work out? I've been hearing more and more from people who, and I think it's probably inexperienced and we're going to help them with that today. But have mm-hmm. you ever been part of a styled shoot that either just didn't turn out the way you expected it to, or there were problems on site, anything like that? Of course, the first five that I did. Oh no! <laughs> you just you just described them perfectly, because because of just that, because I didn't know any better. Yeah. Because I was looking around the internet like, how do you do a styled shoot? Because you just don't know any better. I tell the same story a lot about the very first styled shoot that I did. It was at a beautiful beach here in Malibu, California, El Matador Beach. It's got these beautiful rock formations. You have to get a permit. Like, it's a whole thing. I was super ambitious. And I was like, I'm going to carry this table and these chairs and all this stuff down the bluff. Oh, it was it was it was not a good time. I spent over nine hundred dollars of my own money on that shoot to carry all that stuff up and down a bluff like six times to get this one shot that I had in my mind, this one perfect shot. And I got that one perfect shot, but because I hadn't put a lot of thought into anything else, I didn't get much more out of it than that one perfect shot. Oh no. It was a real tragedy, (laughs) but, and it just kind of continued like that where I was, you know, I had this idea you know, something I call shiny idea syndrome. Mm -hmm. We've all heard of shiny object syndrome. I think people get shiny idea syndrome also, Mm -hmm. or at least I do, where I'm like, I love this idea. I'm going to work on this idea. But one of the things that I learned when I actually stopped to think about it, I was forced to. It's one of the things that I really gave some thought to when I was going through treatment, when I had Mm -hmm. all the time in the world, no energy. I was on the couch the whole time. Mm -hmm. I really thought about what am I doing wrong with all of these shoots? And I really discovered that the main crux of what I was doing wrong was that I was, you know, beholden to the, this great idea that I had and I wasn't thinking or planning about how that would help my business, help my business grow, help me get more clients, help me grow creatively. I was only thinking about the idea and that was the crux of the problem. Yeah. So to me, it sounds like, first of all, you sound like an artist to me. I, I have so many, I, my music, my background is in music. So I have tons of artist friends and musician friends. And I know that feeling of getting stuck on that idea. In fact, I call them rabbit holes and I go down them all the time and I get very obsessive about them and I can't really let go of them until I have you know, explored it and, and Mm -hmm. designed it and that sort of thing. So I really feel you there, but I think it's really important what you say about, you know, having an objective, like it has to have, I mean, there's art for art's sake. And I think that that there's so Mm -hmm. much value in that too, but when you're running a business, there should probably be some strategy or objective involved. Yeah, absolutely. I think that if we're talking about an overall strategy and the way that I do my shoots now, I do a lot of pre-planning Like if there's steps to the execution, the designing and the execution of the shoot, I spend a good amount of time in a pre-planning step, which is figuring out, you know, what is missing from my portfolio? What venues do I want to work with? All, All of these questions that can only benefit my business by answering and showing with a styled shoot. Okay. Now we're into strategy and I'm really excited. So Pre-planning. Let's talk a little bit more about pre-planning because I love this Mm -hmm. idea, Um, especially from a system standpoint. This sounds like, you know, the first stage in your process. Mm -hmm. So what are all of the things off the top of your head that you would consider when pre-planning? I think the most important thing for the pre-planning stage is to do some research, both on what your business needs and how a styled shoot can help achieve those needs and the general landscape as a whole, like what's going on in in the landscape, what, you know, styles and aesthetics are your ideal client, you know, drawn to at this particular moment? What blogs are they reading? What magazines are they reading? I hear a lot from people asking about styled shoots. They're saying, well, I did this great styled shoot. I have no idea where, where to submit it. 
that's really the first thing you should think about because, yeah, because if you, why are you doing all this work? If you don't have a plan for how it's going to pay off for you, how you're going to get your ROI out of all this time, effort, and energy that you're spending on the shoot. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to plan from the very beginning of what you want to get out of it. And so much of what people want to get out of it is they want to get it published. I'm here to say that that's not the only thing that you can get out of a styled shoot. And there's so many other you know, things that you can get out of it. But a lot of people talk and focus on publication. So if your goal is to get published, shouldn't you have an idea from the very beginning of where you would like to submit it? Then you can tailor your shoot to that outlet and you'll have a much higher likelihood that it will actually get published. Oh, I love that. I love that. I'm going to say, I'm going to just repeat something that you said for emphasis a little bit, because you said plan, plan from the very beginning, what you want out of it. And I think that that's really key. And I think that that's probably the most important step that people are missing. Yeah, I, it really is a lot of the, because I'm in a bunch of uh, groups on Facebook and I get a lot of feedback because people know that I love style shoots and I talk about them a lot. I get a lot of questions where I don't want to be mean, but literally the answer is if you had thought about this from the beginning, you wouldn't have this problem. Right. If pre-planning is the first step, then what comes next? Pre-planning takes up a lot of time. I cannot stress the pre-planning enough, but then after you've planned, like I said, I like to start with a venue with a place and then kind of a general idea of what I want to do. Like if my idea is a little, um, a little ball before it gets into like a big basketball when it's just a golf ball. So I have a general idea. I then like to build my team with creative partners that I know are going to be a good fit for that general idea. So to give you an example, if I know that I want to submit a shoot to a place like Style Me Pretty or something like that, that has a very specific photography aesthetic, I'm only going to look for photographers that are a good fit for that because it does me no good to go for photographers that have a different style. So once I have a little ball of an idea and what I want to get out of it, then I start to build my creative team as a process of fleshing out my design because I think it's really important to work with your creative partners to make sure that the style shoot is beneficial for all. I think that that's also a a place where people run into problems. Mm -hmm. They're not communicating with their team throughout the entire process about who's going to pay for what, who's going to take the lead, who's going to submit it, all of that kind of stuff. You need to talk about that from the beginning while you're building your team, while you're fleshing out your idea. Mm. Because if you wait till the end, Mm -hmm. then... Trouble. Trouble, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a question about that. So when you put together your creative team, do you you ever sit down with all of them and, and do some brainstorming around the creative ideas? Or do you prefer to sort of keep that under your purview, under your role specifically? A little of both. I would say it's a mix of both. I do want to point out that I'm a wedding planner. And as a wedding planner, it's very difficult to show the value of planning Mm -hmm. in a styled shoot. Think about how difficult it is to get real clients to understand the value of planning and all the logistical stuff that you bring when you're able to sit down in front of them and talk about it, much less just try to show it from a photo. Yeah, definitely. So all the styled shoots that I do, I plan and design. So I'm doing design also. So right from the get-go, I'm letting my partners know that I'm taking the lead on design. But at the same time, the partners that are most wrapped up in design, the florist usually, and the paper goods designer Mm -hmm. typically, I consult with them and loop them into the design in the very early stages because they're going to have a lot of input on that and help me also come up with ideas that I didn't even think of. I'm always mining my vendor partners for their good ideas because I don't know everything. 
And some of the greatest things that people still comment to this day that they've loved about our styled shoots, they weren't my idea. I helped execute them, but they weren't my idea. So I do a little bit of both. But I do tell people throughout the process that I'm taking the lead, I'll be submitting it, we work out a budget, you know, I'm, I'm taking the lead on most things, but I am looping people in. Mm, okay, that's interesting. And I love what you say about making sure that you communicate it really clearly with your creative partners at the onset. Mm-hmm. I hear so many stories um, from people, especially who are newer in the industry, who mm-hmm. get involved in a style shoot and then end up, you know, not having access to the images or not being mentioned when it gets published or, you know, um, having their stuff. I There was an interesting story from um, a member of the web printer community who said um, she had like a a mobile bar, I think it was. Mm, I saw that. Yeah. yeah. And then the the photographer, I guess it was the photographer. I'm not, I can't remember exactly. But she photoshopped it out. Yeah, photoshopped her logo out. <laughs> that's, first of all, that's silly. Uh, right. I just want to say that right off the bat. Like, that's silly. It's not um, going to make you any friends, that's for sure. Yeah, it, that's a weird way to go about things. But... I think that if I don't know, because obviously I don't know these people personally, I wasn't involved in it, but I would, I would venture a guess that because that happened, there wasn't a conversation about it beforehand. Oh, this bar company is coming and this logo is really important to them. So it's fine if it's here, you know, or or whatever, if you think it's possibly going to be an issue. Uh, I don't know if I would have thought that that was an issue beforehand, but a little bit of an extreme (laughs) example, but, but you know, I also hear from people who just, you know, they just end up sort of disappointed or, or there's sort of infighting throughout the process. So, um, and I, you know, I speak a lot about managing client expectations Mm -hmm. in the same way. I think we have to manage this creative team expectations and make sure that Mm -hmm. there's so much communication and all cards are on the table and everybody has a really good understanding of what the goals are and, and who's what the roles and responsibilities are. Right. Right. People ask me all the time about styled shoot contracts. Mm -hmm. I get asked that a lot. I did a lot of research about this. I spoke to three separate attorneys who all had, when I explained the situation, because none of them are, well, one was, was someone that's involved in the wedding and creative industry, but the other two weren't. But when I said, here's the situation, we're doing a style shoot, there's a bunch of different vendors, they all looked at me like, don't do that. There's third, they mentioned things like third party contracts and, you know, what do you do if if somebody doesn't hold up their end? Do you want to you know, hold them accountable money wise or all. So long story short, I've never done an actual styled shoot contract for things. I think it is more important when you're starting out to like really be communicative about what your expectations are. With that being said, even now working with people I work with all the time and photographers I work with all the time, I always make sure that we have a, you know, a photo release involved Mm-hmm. So that the photographer has agreed to let everyone use their images, you know, that, that kind of thing. And I also use a model release so that the models that I use can't come back later and say, oh, you're using my image for something. I'm like, no, I paid you money. You agreed to let me <laughs> use your image for this process. So those are some legal things that I do use only to ensure that what I'm looking to get out of the shoot, which is the images most of the time Mm -hmm. that I actually get those. So I think think that's really smart. And I think, you know, when it comes down, we've never used a contract for a style shoot either. We usually have everything in writing one way or another, um, which is a good protection on its own. But I think more importantly, and this is a challenge if you're new in the industry, but I think more importantly, we choose who we work with really carefully. And we tend to choose to work with people that we have, you know, longstanding relationships with in the industry so that we, mm-hmm. there's never really that fear, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and when you're new, I know that a lot of people encourage people, especially, you know, new planners who don't have a portfolio or even, you know, new florists and new stationary designers to do a styled shoot as a way, you know, to get some portfolio work. Um, mm-hmm. and I guess it's much harder than when you're, when you're new and you don't have all necessarily have all of those 
you know, trustworthy relationships in the industry. So I would say, you know, if you're not using a contract, do your absolute best at the very least just to get everything in writing so that at least if things do kind of fall to pieces a little bit, you can refer back to your emails or refer back to um, the documented conversations that you've had. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I'm with you at this point. I only work with people that I've actually worked with on real events or that I know very well in the industry and just haven't had a chance to work with, which is also another happy byproduct of style shoots as a whole is that you can work with these vendors that maybe your clients aren't hiring for some mm-hmm. reason or another. But I think as long as you're communicating, mm-hmm. like if you're working with the, like as a planner, if you're working with a florist and you and the florist, because florals, let's be honest, that's one of the only hard costs yeah. involved with a styled shoot because flowers die. You can't reuse them. So I always work with my floral partners to come up with a budget. You know, I'm like, this is what we want to do. This is what, you know, you know, how many things we need. What do you think the budget for this would be? Because I'm terrible at floral budgeting. That's why I'm not a florist. <laughs> and they say, well, I can get it done for this. You know, they usually work at cost. They'll they'll put in their time. I think everyone should be putting in their time. I think it's weird if you have to pay someone for their time. I think when there's hard costs involved, you're that's part of the expectation is that someone's going to have to pay for the hard costs. Mm-hmm. So food or flowers or printing of things, that's a hard cost. Those are costs that can't be recouped, but they're also, you know, things that aren't time that people are giving for the shoot, that everyone is giving their time. I'm giving my planning time. You're giving your photography time, things like that. But as long as we're agreeing to a budget and we're kind of putting it in an email, like this is what the budget's going to be. I'm going to pay half. You're going to pay half or you know, I'm going to pay it all or whatever that is. There's no right way to divvy up the cost expectations, but they have to be divvied up before the hand, because if you try to recoup after the fact, that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. And it just goes to show, you know, how important I feel like, you know, in all of the episodes that I do and all of the, the challenges that we talk about in the wedding industry, it 99% comes down to communication every single time. So, um, you know, it. yeah, I think it's, I think it's super important. So if we've covered pre-planning and we talked about putting together a team, mm-hmm. what is the next step? So then you're kind of drilling down on what the actual shoot will entail. And that's, you know, part of design, how many vignettes and things you're going to have. A vignette is just like a little setup of what you're going to photograph if people haven't heard that term. And and deciding those things also with your creative partners. If you are going to photograph an actual thing, uh, to give you an example, we did a shoot last year where I worked with a um, – Uh, someone who makes ceramics and she made custom items. And one of the things that she wanted in return for her making these custom items at no charge, which was awesome, was she wanted photos of just them, Mm. you know, which I thought was definitely not outside the realm of expectations. But I always ask all the partners what they're looking to get out of the shoot as well and keep those in mind as we're going through the planning. Oh, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's really important to honor the fact that other people are giving up their time. If they have unreasonable demands, uh, I'm not saying that you should bend over backwards by any stretch of the imagination, but I am saying that if someone is making something specific or giving something specific and they ask for, you know, an extra photo just of that thing, you know, make sure the photographer, you're working it into your timeline and then go from there. Mm, that's awesome. So you create a timeline. Sounds like. I do. <laughs> I just realized I'm like, oh, I said timeline. I should probably follow that up. <laughs> we do gotcha. make a timeline. Uh, I will say that the main difference between a styled shoot and a real event day is that I run my uh, shoots like movie sets or like oh. photo shoots, not like real events. Mm-hmm. But I do have a timeline. It's very important to have a timeline because... Otherwise, you waste people's time. Mm-hmm. One of the big complaints that I saw kind of out in the Facebook sphere is that people were complaining that they were bringing a cake or they were making drinks or they were doing something and they were standing around all day mm. and they felt like it was a big waste of their time. So you never want to have your vendor partners leave a shoot feeling like you wasted their time. 
that's not doing anything for you. That's not doing anything for them. It's not doing anything for your working relationship going yeah. further. So we, we do a timeline. We don't do a lot of food shots, but we, we absolutely have cake. And for most style shoots, they are styro cakes. They're not real cakes. They don't have to be. Yeah. But there's no reason for the cake person to be there when makeup is being done. That's yeah. silly. So I usually time it so they come in, they drop the cake, they style the cake. They're there for two hours or whatever it is. We, you know, time it with photo photography and then they leave so that they feel like they have had a good use of time. They're there with their product. They can watch what's being done and we're not wasting anyone's time. So that's the main reason that I have a timeline just to make sure that I'm making a good use of everyone's time and also to show the venue that I'm respecting of their time also mm. because the biggest chunk of time of anyone that you're taking is the venue because when you're in there doing your styled shoot, oftentimes they can't give full tours. They obviously can't have an event. So you want to be respectful of their time, especially. And if you're professional and make a timeline and loop in the venue, then you can show that you're respecting of their time. Oh, that's so important. And I, you know, one of my pet peeves in life is standing around and not doing anything. I'm not very good at it. I get very yeah. impatient. So I love that you have mentioned that because I know, you know, one of the first style shoots I did, you know, I feel like, I feel like we probably failed on that aspect. <laughs> we were so new at it too. Yeah. Right. And we were just trying to figure yeah. it all out, but I feel like we actually did it in a restaurant. And so they'd closed down an entire section for us. Oh, wow. And I think we probably took a really long time to do it. Yeah. They were very patient with us, but, um, I think that's really key. It's really important to make sure, you know, that you're, and I think there are definitely ways when you start getting more experienced at it, where you start to understand better where to put everybody in and when everybody should show up, when it's important for all of the different players to be there. Right. Awesome. Okay. So let's talk about the shoot itself. Do you have any, um, do's and don'ts for the actual shoot? One of the things that I really want to mention for the actual shoot is something that I call in praise of models, because one of the things that I also see out there are people talking about finding real couples for their shoots. Mm -hmm. And I think that people get that in their head because they're like, oh, I need a real couple. So they look really in love. But I don't necessarily just ascribe to that philosophy because I think it's better to have actual models that look good on camera, can follow direction, can show up on time and fake being in love because real, real kissing shots do not look good on film. We all know this, <laughs> right? Or at least I hope. So you don't need them. You don't need models to actually be in love. You need them to be able to fake that they're in love. And there's models are actually one of the things that I budget some actual money for, for my shoots, because you can't replace someone that knows what they're doing and knows how to be on film and knows it is at ease with the photographer mm -hmm. because you don't waste any time that way. And you know, you're going to get a good product out of the end. So I think for shoot days, if you have professional models, it can make your shoot day so much easier because think of all the times that you've been, you know, if you're a photographer or if you're a planner that's helping during family shots, how awkward people get, how they <laughs> don't want to be in front of the camera. Uh, and while I think people wouldn't volunteer for something if they were really awkward in front of a camera, that's not something people typically do. But I think that that's something that I would tell people to think about investing, investing some of their style shoot budget in and you'll be able to recoup a lot of the cost with how good your photos turn out. I totally agree. And it, it, I, I mean, I, I admire the, I admire people who want the quote unquote real people. I do. I think it's, I, I think their hearts are in the right place, but I'm yeah. always struck by, you know, a little bit of irony that we talk about the value of hiring a professional all the time. Yeah. We talk mm -hmm. about it all the time, but mm -hmm. when it comes 
to be our turn, (laughs) sometimes we forget that we need to practice what we preach. And you could save, you know, you know, that saying, if you think a a professional is expensive, wait till you hire an amateur. Like that's how I feel about it. I feel like you're going to spend way too much time. You're not going to get the desired result that you want. Why not just work with someone who knows exactly what they're doing and is really um, good at direction. Cause I do think that that's so critical. I have tried to direct, for example, taking pictures of my kids, super simple yeah. example. And I try to say to them, okay, scooch in a little bit and they don't do it right. And I get, <laughs> tries to be crazy. And then there's a <laughs> hand in the wrong way. And you know, somebody's tilted the wrong way. And like, I, that's great. If you're taking photos of your family, it is not great if you're doing a professional photo shoot. Correct. And I'm glad that you brought up valuing professional work because one of the things that I want to get across for styled shoots is that if if you're a professional and you're valuing your time, not even anybody else's time, but your time. So let's think about the ROI that you want to get from this shoot. Well, you can't put in nothing and expect to get everything, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So the shoots that I do, I have a budget for them. And I include that in my marketing budget for the year because that is part of my marketing. These styled shoots are so important for my marketing. So I actually have a budget for them. It ranges based on how in-depth the shoot is going to be, how elaborate, things like that. But I have a budget. So I know that I'm spending that budget. I'm accountable for that budget. And I want to turn that budget into some ROI. So I think that that's really important. I think people just want to throw something together or do it on the cheap and then expect to get all of this return for it. Mm-hmm. That's not really how it works. Yeah. I'm a firm believer in that you get out of things what you put into them. So <laughs> if you are not willing to invest in it, and I, you know, I talk a lot on the podcast and in the group about the value of, inv- or the importance of investing in your business and, and actually mm-hmm. having a marketing budget is really important. Yeah. Like the great first step. Um, and I think that you do see the return. So I want to talk about that next a little bit. Mm -hmm. So after the shoot, what are some of the steps that you want people to consider after the shoot and how can they turn all of that investment of their time and money into a decent ROI? Yeah. So I think number one is thinking about your shoot in terms of it's like an event and you want to be appreciative of your vendor partners, especially in a environment where they're giving of their time and their products sometimes for free is that you always want to thank your vendors, just like you would a regular event day, even more. So you want to make sure that you're communicating with them every step of the way. Oh, we got our photos back. I'm going to send you a couple of sneaks, but I'm holding the rest back. And the reason is the publications don't like them to be shown. You know, some people don't understand why they're not getting all their photos right away. So we want to communicate that. We want to be in contact with them every step of the way and let them know what's happening. I think that that is really important post shoot because you're continuing that respect, that relationship with the vendor team that you've made. I also think that people need to have a plan for submission as well. Uh, And that goes back to, you know, this is why we pre-plan so that when it gets to the end and you're in the submission zone, you already know where you're going to submit. You're going to, you know what you're going to say about it, why it works for this publication. And that makes the submission process that much easier. But what I want to say about submissions and publication is that it's not all the duty of the blog to make it happen for you. Mm -hmm. So when we get published on a blog, I make sure that everyone in the vendor team knows it's being published. They know the date it's being published. I've sent them all of the, you know, IG handles in a cohesive list. that's easy to copy and copy and paste. I've sent them a hashtag I want them to use. I'm doing everything in my power and the vendor team's doing everything in their power to amplify the voice of the blog so that it, it ripples through all of our followings, not just the blogs, so that we're doing our part to, to get our message out as well. Not just It's not all on the publication or the blog or the magazine to do all the work for you. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's often a step that people miss when they get published, regardless if it's a yeah. you know real wedding or a styled shoot. They forget that they have to promote. 
Like you have to get out there and promote that publication as many times as you possibly can. Absolutely. Um, And also, you know, another great strategy we did, uh, I did a podcast with Catherine Morehouse recently on uh, Pinterest strategies. And she Mm -hmm. talked a lot about how you can take one styled shoot and turn it into like 50 pins on Pinterest and get that evergreen long lasting, um, promotion of that, of that happening as well. So I think that that's really important too. Often. I think we get a little bit lazy and we think that, okay, we got published. And I know the first few times I got published, I think I probably did this. I got Mm -hmm. published on a blog and I posted it in my, you know, Facebook page and on Instagram and on Twitter. And then I just kind of sat back and waited for, I don't know what the inquiries to start pouring in. Yeah. (laughs) You know, which didn't, it's like no shocker. It didn't really happen that way. So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, there should be a strategy with that, right? Like, pushing it out over time and not just one time the day it happens and then forgetting about it. Yeah. I have a very succinct process that I do to get the most out of every post shoot moment. Like I said, there's a bunch of other goals that can be met by a shoot, not just publication, but when talking about publication specifically, you get it published and then you can roll, you know, you, you amplify it, you can roll it out. Then you can put it on your blog about a week or two weeks after that. And then you can link back to the publication. So there's a whole bunch of SEO stuff there that I don't know how it works because my BA does it, uh, <laughs> truth be told. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, you know, you're rolling it out over time and then using it in my marketing going forward when it's appropriate and all of these things is all part of you know, working that publication for all it's worth, because yeah, if you're just going to have them publish it and then you're going to sit back and be like, well, it's out there, come to me, all the money. (laughs) That's not really how it works. So you have to be active, an active participant in your own marketing. Imagine that. Hey, Wouldn't we love it if it all just worked that way? I would love nothing more than to create this beautiful thing and then just have a blog put it up and then all the increase come all of a sudden. I will say that I do get business from styled shoots. I think that a lot of people are like, I did a styled shoot and it didn't work for me. And I'm like, well, I don't, you know, it yeah. works for me and this process that I've developed. And maybe if you do it this way, it'll work for you. But I can very, we track all of our leads and I can very clearly show you this bride mentioned this shoot, finding us through this shoot and booking us for that venue because we're planning and we're keeping our business in mind the entire time that we're doing it. We're an active participant in our own marketing, in our own, you know, where we're going to end up. And that's what we're doing the shoots for, not just pretty pictures. Uh, I love that. And I think that goes to what you said originally about there being, you know, there's more ROI than just getting published. Correct. Yeah. Tons I think that's amazing. And, yeah. you know, I was, I was kind of giggling because I was thinking back, you know, the first time I did what the, the word styled shoot didn't even exist back then. And, <laughs> and, you know, it was so long ago and I really just, I can literally picture my naive little butt sitting in my chair, sitting there going, where's all the inquiries from putting this out here? Like it's, it's very funny for me to think back to it now, but um, in, you know, the days of passive marketing are really gone. We have to be actively marketing all the time. And I think if you get really creative about maximizing the impact of a styled shoot, you will be just like Margot and get tons of inquiries from it. So I think we really have to take ownership of that. Yeah. I, I if I can interject for a second, I thought of something that's also really important for that, that I think your audience should be aware of. you said that when you did style sheet, there was a name for it. There also weren't a thousand people doing them. Exactly. Let's face some reality here, everyone. There are tons of people doing style shoots out there. There are tons of outlets publishing them. There are tons of people doing them. And we're also doing something in the wedding industry that I think is hurting our cause. And that is something called photographer shootouts where a group of people will put on a styled shoot and invite 15 photographers to come and shoot it. I I've decided this is the hill that I will die on. I think that's a terrible idea. I'll just put it out there. And the reason is 
a couple fold. One, you're diluting your own product because you have so many people out there and you can't control. It's really hard to control where they Mm. submit or how they submit and how people are seeing the same images. I had one photographer tell me that someone really liked a photo of hers, but thought it was another photographer because it was from a shoot where there were a bunch of photographers and she didn't get hired, even though the couple saw her photo and loved her photo first, they then got confused because it was from the same shoot. So I think that we're diluting our market. We're as vendors and as photographers specifically confusing clients because they then it's, it's, you know, we're, we're as one person in a sea of people taking photos of the same thing. So it's really hard to differentiate yourself. Uh, and then also we're forcing blogs and publications. We're swamping them with the same stuff and we're forcing them to turn inward. I've heard from some editors that they're getting inundated with the same shoots over and over and it's a time waster for them. So they're, a lot of the shoots are starting to put out their own content, just kind of like magazines did back in the day. Mm-hmm. They're doing that more in-house, but I think that we're almost forcing them to. So one of the things that I'm, one of the messages I'm trying to get across is if we did, if we, if we did things more purposefully, if we planned our style shoots more purposely with a more purposeful vendor team, and we really got down to, you know, making them for our ideal clients and putting more effort into them. We'll see more ROI from them. There'll be less shoots. There won't be any of these photographer shootouts or these styled shoots that people pay money for, you know, and then we'll all get a better product and make ourselves a better landscape as a result. Well, I think that's really important. And, you know, it's interesting. I'd heard whispers about this whole concept, but I've never actually heard or seen it happen. And oh. it, you, it blows my mind. I do not understand it. Like it, it's it makes a thing, no Mary. Sense. There are there oh. are whole Facebook groups that are run by people who specifically do styled shoots. So there, I'm in a bunch of them because I was like, I got to do all my style shoot re- style shoot research. Where they will, they're doing shoots every month, two, three a month, different concepts. They're having 10, 15, 20 photographers come and shoot the same thing. And then a couple of them have a concept that is proved really popular and they then take that concept on the road. So they'll shoot the same concept in different markets. So it's not, it's not even that they're then having 15 photographers shoot the concept. They're doing that concept again and again and again. If people don't see how that's diluting a product, I don't know what else I can say. And it, to me, and I'm, it just sounds so creatively cookie cutter. It's a, it's creatively bankrupt. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. If you don't want to say it, I'll say it because I've chosen this hill to die on and I'll just say it. And what it is, is it's a money-making right. prospect because they're charging these photographers several hundred dollars in some cases per and the vendors either aren't getting paid or sometimes they're getting paid a little bit or they're not, there's no back end because I said, if it's hard to do a style shoot contract with just vendors, imagine how hard it is to do a contract with people are paying on top of having 15 photographers. It's an impossible situation in my eyes to do it correctly. So it just doesn't seem worth it, but people are out there doing it. That's crazy. I'm happy to die on this hill with you. I hate this idea. (laughs) Thank you, Mary. Well, this has been really, really fantastic. So I know my audience is loving this. I have written so many notes. There's been so many details here. Now, a little birdie told me that you have a course on styled shoots. So I want to give you an opportunity to share that with everybody. Absolutely. So I've been spending the last couple of years really drilling down on how I've been able to get business from the styled shoots that I've been doing ever since I started doing them a little differently. And I had a bunch of people ask me, how are you doing this? How are you getting clients from styled shoots? Because I've done some styled shoots and they went nowhere. And I was like, I think everyone should do styled shoots to help their marketing, to help their business. So what I did is I put together a course. It's a step-by-step course. It's online. You can do it at your own leisure because that's how I like to learn. And it's just 
literally breaking down every single step of what I do. There are handy worksheets to help you do it yourself. There's a couple behind the scenes videos of me working an actual styled shoot so I can show you some of the, the ways that we work on shoot day. And there's a lot of handy stuff in there, but it's literally designed to, even if you've never done a styled shoot before, you hop on the course and it'll help you do step-by-step step from start to finish and help you really turn shoots into something that can help you and you can get a lot of ROI from. I have to tell you that I love this idea. You know, oh, I, I'm a course creator, so I, you know, have my own courses and I'm, I often feel that there's so much of the same, same, same out there. And I love this idea. I think it's fantastic that you're doing this and judging from the sheer number of questions that I get about styled shoots and I am in no way, shape or form an expert. So I'm going to start tagging you in all those questions. Oh, so thanks. You can answer them. Yeah. Um, I'm out there. Yeah. So I think this is great. So where can, where can, um, our audience find your course? Yeah. So amazingly, for everyone out there, before even the course, if you want to just kind of get a taste of what it's about, we've made some amazing free resources so you can kind of get a sense of what's in store for you. And you can find those free resources at bit.ly slash styled shoot course. Okay, so it's really easy. It's like the easiest thing ever. But there's some really great freebies in there, one of which has proved really popular that I've gotten a lot of great feedback on is a submission checklist. It's literally all the getting your ducks in a row for submission to make it, you know, your chances of getting published as high as they can possibly be. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. And I will link to that in the show notes for everyone so that they can check right. it out. Um, before we let you go today, can you share one final piece of advice for those listeners who are now thinking, Ooh, I'm going to start planning a style shoot. Yeah, I, I I can't stress enough the pre-planning and the shiny idea syndrome aspect. I would just really, you know, charge everyone with sitting down, looking at their business and saying, if I wanted to spend all the time, effort, money, marketing, all this kind of stuff on a styled shoots, on a styled shoot, what am I looking to get out of it? Am I looking to to build relationships within my market with other vendors? Am I looking to book clients? Am I looking to get my name out there? Am I new? Am I looking to build a portfolio? Sit with yourself and really think about why, why you want to do a styled shoot, why you're gonna put all this effort into it. Because I think the disconnect is people are like, well, I gotta do a styled shoot because everyone's doing them, right? <laughs> uh, well, I want you to have a reason and a plan so that it actually does something for your business. Well, that's such great advice. I think, you know, it really comes down to that being intentional about it. And <laughs> I can't tell, I can't tell you how many bright, shiny ideas I've had that end up, end up not really panning out and wasting a lot of my time. And I think, you know, for me, they're kind of fun for me personally, but, yeah. um, but I'm getting to the point in my career where I'm also really busy. And so if I'm not going to have, if I'm going to invest my time in something, it's going to have to be something really worth it. Yeah, I totally agree. One of the biggest shiny ideas that I ever had was I was, my parents live in an area called Temecula, California, and it's a big wine region. They have a lot of wineries. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm going to do this amazing shoot where it's two-parter, like Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, and it's going to be light stuff and dark stuff. But then I sat with myself, and I realized that most of these wineries have on-site wedding planners. Ah. They weren't my <laughs> ideal venues. And so therefore my shiny idea that I was so excited, I was so excited about it, Mary. It was so crazy. <laughs> my shiny idea that I had that I wanted to do was not going to get me any kind of end result because those weren't really the type of weddings and the type of venues that I was looking to work at. So I had to be realistic about it. But gosh, there's a lot of those ideas where I'm like, that's a great idea. But then in the end, it's not going to get me anywhere. Oh, so, so frustrating. Yeah. Well, yeah. Margo, this has been amazing. Where can our audience uh, find you online other than your course? Yeah, I am a big Instagram girl. You can find me on Instagram at Harmony Creative. 
And I love seeing, you know, people listening to the podcast. So if you're listening to the podcast and you want to do a screenshot and, you know, tag Mary and tag me and I'll send you a shout out. Oh, that's amazing. And I also heard, I think I have this right, that you're speaking at the special event this spring. Is that right? I am. I'm super excited. It'll be my first time at that particular conference, but I always kind of have FOMO when I look at all the amazing (laughs) parties that are around it. And it's in Las Vegas this year, which I love. But yeah, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be speaking about onboarding for wedding professionals. So kind of a, a another system thing right it. in your wheelhouse. I love it. <laughs> well, I'm really excited because I'll be speaking there as well. So you and I are going to have a cocktail. Hey, and for course. anyone listening who has been, you know, hesitating whether or not they should attend, you now have two very great reasons to attend the special event this year. Um, hey. Margo, it has been so much fun having you here today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. My pleasure. All right. Bye for now. How much fun was that? Marco is a true professional and such an inspiration. And I hope you enjoyed learning some of the high level tips she shared for when you're creating your styled shoot. And if you want to take your styled shoot game to the next level, I encourage you to sign up for her course, Styled Shoot Success. You can find the link at thewebpreneur.com slash 42. That's thewebpreneur.com slash 42. We're also planning on doing a live Q&A with Margot specifically on all things styled shoots in the Wedpreneur community. So that's our free group on Facebook. Be sure to keep an eye out in the group for an update on that in the weeks to come. That is all for today, my friends. I hope you were having a wonderful holiday season so far, filled with friends and family and maybe a cocktail or two as well. See you next week. Thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of the Wedpreneur Podcast. I'm so incredibly grateful to all of my listeners and would like to take a moment to invite you to keep the conversation going. Head on over to my free online community at thewedpreneur.com forward slash join. If you enjoyed this episode, help us spread the word by leaving us an honest review on iTunes. I appreciate each and every one of you and welcome your feedback. Until next time.